Well, good morning. morning. Woohoo! You know, after last week having this place packed to the gills, that was fun, wasn't it? I love Easter. Wish we could have it every week so everybody be in here. Today, I'm going to start with uh, somebody in our church that is beginning a new ministry. Not that it's new to them so much, but if uh, Colleen and Brian would come up. Brian's the good-looking one. I didn't, let me finish. Colleen's the beautiful one. Earlier he said, I'm just going to stand up there and look pretty, and I kind of went, huh? So I just wanted to clarify. All right, you're handsome. She's beautiful. All right, here you go. Uh, oh, there it is. Um, as Pastor Norm said, we're Brian and Colleen Jorgensen, and uh, God birthed to Epic Youth, oh, four years ago, five years ago almost. Um, but junior high, we are going to restart on Sunday mornings as they were. Um, and so after church, there's just going, yes, yes. After church, uh, we just have a brief and amazing, as Brian says, uh, meeting in the kids' room. Uh, we just want to especially introduce ourselves to those that we haven't met yet and share what God put on our heart for the youth. But just to clarify, on Wednesday nights, uh, we still have senior high, uh, 9th through 12th grade. We'd love to see everybody. So what do you hope to do today? Just meet just, the parents? Yeah, let them know what Anybody that's 6th happen- through? 6th through 8th grade. 8th grade, okay, good. Nope. All right. Well, that was quick. Everybody say thank you, Colleen and Brian. I'm looking forward to what God does in there. That's awesome. Well, um, I didn't come up here alone. Jesus is with me. But I also brought with me this. What is it? It's a chair. Just something to sit on, right? And everybody's like, well, what's so special about that chair? Because I want to see 300 of these in here. Right. So here's the thing. This is the best part. How many? I I love when I get to share stuff like this. We actually had someone that donated $10,000 to get chairs. All right? So, we've already got enough money for the 200. We just need to get the other 100 so that when we fill up, like on Easter, we'll have chairs, and we're going to use some of them down on the other end, except for on Easter. So everybody will have a comfortable, nice-looking chair. And there is a difference between this one and those. I've had many of you sample them, and uh, everybody went to this one. So, uh, it's got a lot more cushion in it. It's just an amazing chair, comfortable the seat back, it's got a, a lumbar here for some of us that need that kind of thing, right, Mike? Yeah, exactly. And th- here's another cool part. Because of this, as soon as our chairs come in, which we have till July to come up with the rest of it, um, there is a local school, Boyne City Academy, that has agreed to take these chairs. And anybody that's worked with Boyne City Academy said they really need them. So our, their kids are going to be blessed. 
And they're actually going to come and get them too, so that's amazing. So that shift will happen all in one week. Um, so the way I'm putting it, seats for souls. How much is a soul worth? How about 50 bucks? Do I hear 50? That's what it takes to buy one of these chairs. All right, so if you can think of somebody in your family that you'd like to see sitting in a beautiful chair like that, 50 bucks, and if you'd like to give toward this, um, and we'll let you know when we hit the magic number, but uh, if you want to give toward this, you can, whenever you give between now and July, um, just put on their chairs, and we'll figure it out with our accounting. So, that sound good? I'm excited about this, so... We've already ordered them, and hopefully they'll be here sometime in July, if, if everything goes according to plan. Well, it's great to see many of our snowy birds back. Uh, I, got to, I got to most of you, but um, anyway, Larry, great to see you, brother. Um, Walt Linton, I saw him, all right? I already said hi to him. I didn't talk to, to Larry. Jeez. Hey, it's my turn, all right? So yesterday, we had the privilege of uh, doing a marriage ceremony for Greg and Alyssa. Yes. Uh, and, and we were just excited to be there, be a part of their wedding. And as a result, we, we sat there at the table last night eating, and uh, we sat with Margie and Ron, and, you know, I was telling Ron and Margie, I said, hey, you know, boy, I'm just struggling with this message today, and, and I love it when people tell me this, oh, pastor, just lean on Jesus, he's got this, and Margie, I'm just like, she's right there, if you want a <laughs> blue shirt. <laughs> so by the end of the night she kept saying that to me and, and finally I looked at her and said you know what here's what I'm going to do tomorrow I'm going to tell everybody Margie said all I needed to do was lean on Jesus for this message today so if it's good today you can thank Margie <laughs> if it's not so good today <laughs> now nah, I'm just messing with you Sort of. Hallelujah. Well, this message today, it's, it is a little different, and I'm not exactly sure what the Lord's trying to do with it. It could turn into a series, but here we go. The work of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Here's the thing. I, I grew up in a major religion, and it taught me about God, but it never introduced me to God. As a result, and mostly out of boredom, when I was about 16 years old, had my own car, so I just quit going to church. I'd tell my parents I went to church, but, you know, anyway. I actually went and got donuts and coffee. <clears throat> I'm still paying for that. The only time I went back to church was on special occasions like Christmas or uh, maybe sometimes when... Uh, Somebody had a wedding or some, something like that. Then at the age of 23, I, I started going through a really dark period in my life. And you probably, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me talk about it. But I had more questions 
Then I had answers. Anybody ever been there? That led me to asking a co-worker, his name was Jaime, what is it about your faith? Who is this Jesus Christ guy you keep talking about? And what a difference that conversation made in my life when I gave him permission to speak into me. And it wasn't just Jamie, but it was also his wife, Olga. And, and they were just two wonderful believers at the time. And they, they led me to this. They led me to the Bible. Listen, I'd been in church. I'd seen this, usually sitting on the night table or the coffee table. But I never heard this. You get what I'm saying? Because nobody ever opened it. They dusted it, and that was about it in my family. And I'm not, I'm not trying to ditz on anybody. I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying that was my experience. But this couple, <laughs> they, they actually led me to the Bible, and then they read it. It was like, what? You read the Bible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a really good book. So that was the first difference between this couple and what I had already been experiencing. The second thing, the big deal. They said, we want you to meet our God. His name is Jesus. Not only does he want to be your God, but he also wants to be your friend. I was blown away. I was like, what? Really? Jesus wants to be my God, and he wants to be my friend. And not only does he want to be my friend, he wants to be my best friend. Hallelujah. Is he your best friend? Quite frankly, I didn't know how to, how to take this. At first, I struggled with it. But I wanted to know more. I wanted to understand what it was these two were talking about. And then I started asking, what's been kept for me the last 23 years? That's how old I was when I met Jesus. So they introduced me to the Bible. They introduced me to Jesus as my friend. And then we started getting into the Word. I'm going to begin with John chapter 3 today. And maybe this is going to be a little different for you. I don't know. We'll see. But I want to read from the, the first part of this uh, chapter from the passage of Scripture in John 3. By the way, passage means what? Several verses kind of lumped together. So when I say passage, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it, there's a theme in there. And here it shows a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a very religious man. And not unlike I was back at the age of 23, he was searching for the truth about God. Here was a man that knew all about God, supposedly, raised up in the, in the school for the young Jewish boys, taught how to lead. He was a priest. And yet... He was in the same predicament I was. He knew of God, but he didn't know him personally. I wanted to know what this man discovered. 
So we started reading these verses. Verse 1. I'm going to put it behind me in the NLT, and if it changes, you'll see it. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Uh, what? After dark? Who meets after dark? Usually. People that are up to? No good. All right? So, I'm wondering, why couldn't Nicodemus meet with Jesus during the day? What's up with this guy? All right? Apparently, he was afraid, I'm gathering, that his reputation was going to be hurt if he hung out with this Messiah. Let's continue reading. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Well, if you know, then why are you meeting with him in the dark? Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. If you know, then why are you meeting with him in the dark? You, you get, is this some of us? All right? We know who God is. He's a part of us. We believe that he did all this. But when it comes to others knowing that he's our Messiah, that he's our master, whoa. I want to keep that on the download, you know. I don't want them thinking I'm some freaky Christian, right? That's where he was. That's where this man was. I pray, say it isn't so, about me, Lord, that I'd be willing to share Jesus with anybody and everybody if they need to hear. Amen? John 3, 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, some manuscripts say born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are Say it again. Born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Who's saying this? The Messiah, the teacher, the rabbi, the one that this guy came to hear and said, well, we believe you're God because you're doing all these miracles and it just makes sense that you're him. And here he's saying, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many want to see the kingdom of God? Then according to this verse, what? must we do is it a choice well it is but if you want to go to heaven the choice is you pick Jesus all right John 3 4 what do you mean exclaimed Nicodemus how could an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again now you got to give it to him this is a natural question don't try to picture that because I tried not to picture that while I was reading this. Nobody can go back into his or her mother's womb and begin over. That's just freaky, all right? It's not going to happen. That cannot be what Jesus is saying here, and he wasn't, so let's continue. Verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you. Now, what's he doing here? I assure you means I'm not messing around. I mean business here with what I'm about to say. He said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God 
without being born of water and of spirit. I'm going to admit something here. For the longest time, I thought this was referring to water baptism and the spirit. But I want to look at this a little different today. After doing some studying on this, what I found out was kind of interesting. When I was first introduced to this passage back when I was 23, I didn't have a clue what this all meant until later. But something inside of me knew that what this couple was saying to me was real. Have you ever sat down with somebody, they'd shared some stuff with you, and you're just going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what happened here. And I didn't get it necessarily, but it was the first time that I had heard this little voice inside of me go, you can trust them. Listen to what they're saying. At the time, I'm like, huh? Where'd that come from? I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. He was confirming that what Jamie or Jaime and Olga were about to share with me was truth. I needed to I needed to learn this stuff. The Holy Spirit confirmed that what they were saying was truth. You ever have that happen? The best part, God spoke to me. Let's look at this a little bit closer. First, Jesus said you must be born of water. So, question, how much of our bodies are made of water? A lot. A lot. No, that's the simple answer a lot but most of you wouldn't be satisfied with that so i went to the source the internet to find out on average here it goes babies are made up of 75 percent of water you want to know why else they do is pee <laughs> not to mention babies live in the amniotic fluid for nine months and that's mostly Water. In fact, when a woman goes into labor, eventually her water breaks. Exactly. So we're like little scuba joes in there for nine months. Aquaman, Aquaman. No, not much. Adult men, 60%. This beautiful physique, 60%. Adult women, 55%. Why are they 5% less? Don't. (laughs) That'd be a good answer. Because the one I'm about to share could get me stoned. Because women typically have more fat than men, and fat doesn't contain as much water. (laughs) Hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just sharing what I read. No, really, fat has 14% water. It's a lot less, right? Whereas muscle has 75%, and did you know your blood? I I was shocked. I guess I've never read this. Maybe if you're a nurse, you'd know this. Your blood is 95% water. It's like, whoa, why can't we just shoot water into our veins then? Apparently that 5% or whatever else is in there is pretty important. Just saying. So I think it's safe to say that we humans who are made in the likeness of God, Genesis 1.26, are born out of water and made up mostly of water, which would 
qualify us for this part. You must be born again. You must be born of water. Check. What's the next part? And of spirit. Ah, that's the part we want to look at. You still with me? You haven't checked out on me yet? So what does Jesus mean by all this? Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life. Can we say water there? We could. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Yes. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. We humans can only reproduce water creatures. We can't reproduce spirit. Only God can do that. Only God can accomplish what he intended to accomplish in the beginning, and that was to change us from the inside out. He knew we had a problem, right? There was a sickness called S-I-N, and we needed a remedy. And the only remedy was apply the blood of Jesus and become born again. That was God's remedy. That is God's remedy. So how do we accomplish being born of the Spirit as Jesus commanded Nicodemus? And here's the simple of it, the skinny of it, by turning our lives over to him. That's what I did when I was 23 years old. Convinced by this couple. Norm, you're a sinner. You're lost. You're dying. You're going to hell. They didn't mince any words with me. But, they said, if you accept the Lord's salvation, that free gift of God, then you will be saved. And I'm like, tell me more. And they started sharing all of this about the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that today, but just to say, if you're not born again, the first thing you have to do is turn your life over to Him. Now, if you want to control your life, the rest of your life, till you take your last dying breath, so be it. But what's going to happen when you take your very last breath? If you're not born again, where are you going? According to the Bible, you're not going to heaven. You're not entering the kingdom of God. You are going to spend eternity in hell, separated from the Lord forever. So we have a choice on this side of heaven. We can turn our lives over to him when we finally figure out that he's coming after us. How many know that? God comes after you. Even if you're born again and you have backslidden, God still comes after you. He's passionate about us. He loves us. He wants you and me to be forever with him. And this is just a primer on this side of heaven. This is just to get us introduced. When we get to heaven, our relationship with him is going to change, multiplied exponentially by 10. You get what I'm saying? It's going to be amazing because we're going to have direct contact with the king. You get to go and see him whenever. Money means nothing. The streets are made of gold. That pretty much tells you Need some money? Go dig the street up. 
Well, that'll give a new meaning to potholes. God loves us, and he wants us to be with him forever. That's what Jesus was saying here. We, we can take necessary steps to come to him. The first one is to repent, which means to confess that you are a sinner. After that, it's up to him. You give your life to him, and you say, Lord, have your way with me. He does the changing. He's the one that makes us twice born. The life of the man or woman who is spirit changed is different from the rest of the world. If you wonder, why don't people in the world love Christians? This is why. Are you you ready for this? All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a mere point of view, a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. You still there? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Paul is saying here, the Apostle Paul, that things are going to be different for you and me if we're born again. For the world, they're not going to get it. Romans 12, and we wear this passage out, but I felt like I really needed to share it again. So, dear brothers, verse 1 and 2, and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. How many can say amen? Amen. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Who's doing the transforming? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We, as born-again believers, are transformed. What does that mean? Listen. First, God will not mess with that thing called free will. He will not. Which means... You have to give him permission to mess with you. You have to give him the combination to your lock. Or he will not come in. Because he cannot break his own laws. And he gave us free will. How many are still here? Here's something else that I think is pretty great. This word transform, anybody know what it comes from? The word metamorphosis, you heard that before? Remember that little little caterpillar? You know, he's climbing along on the branch. How far, how long does it take that caterpillar to get from point A to point B to eat that next leaf? You ever watched him? Like a half hour? It's like, that poor little thing. Here, I'm going to help him. (laughs) Yeah, so he's eating my plants. Bug spray. But eventually, that caterpillar does something. After he's done walking on the ground, eating those leafy greens all his life, he decides he's really tired, and he goes and takes a nap. When he takes that nap, he spins this thing around him. If it's a butterfly, it's called a 
pupa. If it's a moth, it's called a cocoon. All right, you got that? So whichever way it goes. I'm thinking butterfly, so he's in the pupa stage now. That is the metamorphosis. What happens when he gets ripe in that little pupa? Kind of like a little baby, except the difference is when he comes out, he's ready to do what? And instead of eating leafy greens, now he gets to go in and use that long little tongue he has and drink the nectar out of the flowers and the plants. Pretty cool. I'm not suggesting that we are like the caterpillar and the butterfly so much. We're, we, while we do walk on the ground, we do eat leafy greens, but we're never going to be able to fly, at least not in this body. It's about as far as I can get. However, Jesus said, I will give you rivers of living water. When you are filled with the Spirit, when He's number one, He will fill you up. He will quench your thirst. And I believe we can fly in the Spirit. Have you ever been there? Where you just feel like you're amazed that your feet are still on the ground? In fact, if you close your eyes, you feel like you're already lift off. Ah. We are children of the King after we put Jesus Christ on. We walk in favor. We walk in His blessing. And as I've said, when we become Spirit-filled, we gain new insight, different from the world. We gain new understanding, discernment, and even power, dunamis power that we didn't have before. And we're going to get into that. But today, I wanted to just kind of stick with a fundamental. God gives us a glimpse of what happens during this metamorphosis process in Ezekiel 36. And I, you don't have to go there. I'm going to put it up behind me. Uh, verse 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart, he said. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And give you a tender, responsive heart. See, this is how God wants us to communicate with him. Before Jesus, it's hard. We can't. You can't hear from him when you have a stony heart. Until you're born again, until you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot hear from him. But once you put him on, woohoo! it opens up a whole new realm. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The Holy Spirit is here to guide us, to comfort us, to make sure that we do the things we're supposed to do. And if we don't, we're just being rebellious. Amen? So here's what we need to understand. Before Christ Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, you and I couldn't be born again. Is it important that Jesus came? Is there any other way to heaven? Thank you. So we are confined to being separated from God by our sins. Isaiah 59.2. All right. But the trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. Because of sin, he has turned his face away from you and will not listen anymore. So what is this saying? God is holy. 
There is nothing impure in him. Because we are contaminated by our sins, thanks to our relatives, Adam and Eve, we cannot even look at God. We couldn't have a relationship with God. That's why Moses had to hide in the cleft of a rock when God went by. Remember that part, Exodus? For Moses' own protection, the Lord only allowed Moses to see him from the backside. If Moses had looked at his face, this is what would have happened. You may not look directly at my face, for no one, no one may see me alive and live. If Moses or any human sees God's face, that person will be consumed by fire. Remember that, consumed by fire. But that was all about to be changed. Enter Jesus, the Son of Man. First Peter. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Through Christ, we who became, I'm sorry, the sacrificial lamb once and for all. That's important. Once and for all. Jesus was able to accomplish something in the supernatural by his death that couldn't be accomplished through any other means. I want you to see this. Watch what happened just after Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins. This is Mark 15, 37 and 38. Jesus uttered another loud cry and he breathed his last. And this is in all the Gospels, by the way. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The second that Jesus died, the veil that was in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Does that mean anything? Some might say, big deal. The curtain was torn. They probably didn't have it hanging up there very well, really. All right, as I understand it, the curtain was, a, was the width of a man's hand, at least four inches thick. Have you ever grabbed onto a piece of curtain like that? You couldn't rip that stuff back there, and that's really thin. Four inches thick? Uh-uh. So what was the purpose of the curtain? To protect us. To protect you and to protect me. I want to read some verses from Hebrews 9, and this will move along quickly. I'm not going to read them all, but I am going to read some. So Hebrews 9, 1 to 3. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. The first room, there was a lampstand, a table, sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called what? The holy place. All right, we could go in there. You with me? Then there was a curtain. There it is. And behind the curtain was the second room called the most holy place. Okay, you can go in the holy place. You can't go in the most holy place because if you do, you're going to die. All right, bear with me. Next, I'm going to jump down a little bit. Verse 7. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place. And only once a year. He, he had a lot of preparation for this act once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people that they had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, 
The Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open. Did you get that? You and I could not go in and out, in and out, in and out to see God if we wanted to. It wasn't open. It was only open to the high priest and only to him once a year and after he went through a rigorous process of cleansing himself and applying the blood. Wow. Verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven which was not made by human hands and is not part of his created world, of this created world. Verse 12, with his own blood, say that with me, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Woohoo! Yeah. So once and for all, Jesus applied his blood to our sins and it is finished. It is finished. You and I, if we're born again, born of water and of spirit, under the blood, we have access to our loving Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. And I love that part. I have it highlighted in my text. He cleansed our conscience so that we could come into a place like this and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords without going... Do we deserve judgment? Uh Uh-huh. But we don't get it. Because God loves us. By His grace, we are saved. Hmm, hallelujah. I'm excited about this. All right, where was I? Got to find my spot, sorry. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. So again, it just keeps going back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. We should be thankful for Jesus. He prepared a way for us where there was no other way. We deserved a death that we could not pay. He paid the price so that we could spend forever with him. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. So what does a curtain or veil being torn down have to do with us? What's the good news? <laughs> For those who are twice born, born of water and of spirit, they now have what? Direct access to God. Hallelujah. When you walk into a church and you immediately go, my guess is they haven't taken this step. When you come into a church that is spirit-filled, I don't necessarily mean speaking in tongues, although we do here. I'm talking about that first step, being born again. When we are spirit-filled, we've taken that 
step. We've confessed our sins. We've invited God to have his way with us. It changes the atmosphere. And God can move. The veil has been torn down. And once our sins are under the blood, we have permission to go to him. We don't need a priest. I'm not ditching on them, just saying. Why go to somebody else? Go directly to the one, the only, Jesus Christ. We're no longer kept back by our sins as our sins are under the blood once for all. Let me wrap this up with this. The Bible says we're clothed in his righteousness. And I always get this picture, and I'm sorry for this. It, you remind me of it because of what you're wearing. Uh, Harry Potter, sorry. Right? Kind of. Well, you got the, the robe. Yeah, it's a kimono. Hear this. In, what is it? What did I just say? Harry Potter. They had this cloak of invisibility. And when they put it on, nobody could see them. And I always think of this. When we put the righteousness of Christ on, God doesn't see our sin anymore. In fact, he doesn't even see you or me. Who's he see? His son Jesus. I don't necessarily get this, but it's scriptural. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here we go. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We're made right with God through Christ. When God looks at us, he doesn't see sinful norm. He sees his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And listen, when you stand at the judgment seat, well, you're not going to. You're going to be judged differently. But when you're standing in heaven at the judgment, Jesus is your agent. He's your attorney. He is your counsel. <laughs> and God's going to look at him and he's going to say, what do you think? Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Woo! Hallelujah. And that, once and for all. Galatians 3.27, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ like putting on new clothes. In the Greek it says, you literally put on Christ. Can you imagine that? Come on, Jesus. Except it's not heavy. He's light. Devil can't get you. Got to go through Jesus. Long as you keep Jesus on, long as you keep the clothes of Christ on, what can he do to you? God be for us. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. You ever wondered why non-Christians don't or can't understand what you and I are talking about? I'd like to suggest that as blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled believers, we speak a different language. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about tongues. Listen to this, and then I'm going to wrap it up. The Living Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and following. But the man who isn't a Christian, who is that? The world, okay? The man who isn't a Christian can't understand and can't accept these thoughts from God, which the Holy Spirit teaches us. 
So when you get all these nuggets and you're all excited about it and you go share this with a, with a brother or sister who doesn't know Jesus, they're going to be going, huh? Say what? You guys are freaky. There's the third time I've used that word today and I didn't mean to. They sound foolish to him because only those who have the Holy Spirit within them can understand what the Holy Spirit means. Do you hear that? you got to be born again, born of the water and born of the Spirit if you want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Others just can't take it in. How clear does this get? But the spiritual man has insight into a few things. Oh, thank you. Everything. Just checking to see if Mary was listening. And that brothers, and that brothers, ah, geez, and that bothers and baffles the man of the world who can't understand him at all. You see this? It just, it brought so much clarity to me. I'm like, no wonder these people can't stand us. How could he, how could he? For certainly, he has never been one to know the Lord's thoughts or to discuss them with him or to move the hands of God by prayer. This is us. You and I get to move the hand of God through our prayers. That means communicating with him. He cares about you. He listens to you. He wants to know what's on your heart. And as a born-again, spirit-led believer, your prayers matter. The prayers of a righteous man. Righteous in who? Christ. The prayers of a... When we get caught up, how many people have ever gone, Oh, man, I got sin in my life. I can't pray for that guy. (laughs) Really? It's not you. It's the righteousness of Christ. The prayers of of a righteous man are powerful and effective. It ain't you. It's Jesus in you, on you, over you, abiding with you. Hallelujah. But strange as it seems, (laughs) we Christians actually do have within us a portion of the very thoughts and mind of Christ. It goes all the way back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. As strange as it seems, folks, You and I, when we are twice born, we have what? The thoughts, the very thoughts in mind of Christ. That's why you're so weird. Poke your neighbor and say you're weird. In a good way. When we're transformed like the caterpillar and changed into a butterfly, we have the thoughts and the mind of Christ. We become God's property, and that's good because how many know God protects His own? And we become part of His family. How many know you are a king's kid? You're royalty. What a privilege. What an honor it is. To serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. You must be born again. Born of water and spirit. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't. Keep living the way you're living. Day's going to come though. This short 
50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 year old life that's going to end. Then eternity is going to begin. Which one do you want to get right? For some, they think this is it. But I believe the Bible. I believe what Jesus said. And I want to be ready. And I believe that I am born again because of that couple that spent the time with me back when I was 23 years old, 1981, April. So my question to you today is, are you born again? And you might be sitting here thinking, man, I went through this whole thing and I already know all this stuff, Pastor, man. How come you got to tell me this? It's not for you. You need to be the, the Jaime's and the Olga's to tell this dying world that there's a remedy for sin. And it's Jesus. You need to be able to lead them. Go back to John. Tell them all about Nicodemus. Show them the way. That's what this is for. If I'm the only guy ever helping people to come to Jesus, we're in a bad place. We had 280 people-ish last week. Our guys can never count the same. I don't know. <laughs> 280 souls. Imagine if we had 300 in here. Imagine if we had to go to a second service. And we should. But it takes all of us. We are the church, not just Pastor Norm. Any one of you can lead somebody in the sinner's prayer. I shared that little thing last week, Romans, the Romans wrote. Are you born again? Are you born again? Would you stand with me? If not, do you want to be? I remember like it was yesterday when they started sharing these scriptures with me. And I realized I didn't have what they were telling me about. I, I wasn't born again yet. But I wanted to be. And listen, you may be here today and you may say, Pastor, <laughs> I kind of left Jesus. I, 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 I think I was there once, but I, I stepped away from that life. Maybe today you'd like to come back. I'm telling you right now, God never gives up on you. He'll hound you. That's where the hounds of heaven comes from. He will hound you and hound you and hound you. A dog that gets on a bear never gives up. That's how the Holy Spirit is with you. He wants you that much. But, enter free will. You get to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And, and listen, you're either serving the devil by choice or by not serving God, you are serving the devil. Does that make sense? You got to choose. Which camp are you going to be in? And it's an eternal commitment. <laughs> it's not just today. Oh, I want to get Jesus today. T tomorrow I'm going to go back and serve the other guy. No. You're not going to want to, first of all. 
He will change you from the inside out. He did me. And there's lots going on in this man when he got hold of me. And everything was new when he finished. Would you bow your heads? The Holy Spirit's drawing you right now. If you're here and he's saying, son, daughter, come to me. Let me do what I do so well. Ask me to forgive you. If that's you, lift your hand up right now. Anybody in here today? Yep, see it? Put it down. Anybody else? Wow. Yes, you can put it down. Thanks. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Christians, backslidden. If that's you, nobody looking. Everybody's eyes closed. It's between you and God. I'm just doing it so I know who's, who I'm praying or what I'm praying. You're here right now, and you know you've been away from God, and you need to come back to him. You need to come running back to him like the prodigal son. If that's you, lift your hand up right now. Come on. Others? Yep. All right. Put them down. I want you to pray this with me. And if you pray this and you mean it from your heart, I believe God is going to change you, and you are going to become born of water and born of the Spirit. Everybody pray this as a family. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. My God and my friend, today I yield to you. I give up my free will. And I ask you, forgive me of my many sins and make me a new person. I put my hands, my life, into your hands. I ask you right now, Jesus, transform me, change me like the caterpillar into the butterfly from the inside out. I want to be like you. I want to make you happy. I want to serve you. Lord, help me with that. I pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. God is building us up. These messages aren't just to come in and listen to it here. It's so that you will feel equipped to go out and do the same. Listen to what he's trying to do with you. For some of you, I believe, he's putting people in your path. He's lining you up with family members and friends who need to hear the truth. And you're the one. You're the one. Don't dismiss this like, oh, somebody else will get it. What if they don't? And those people end up going to hell. If there's anything we will be indicted for when we're, when we're standing at the judgment of Christ, that's what it'll be. Where were you? Why didn't you say something? Amen? Father, again, we are just so blessed to be people of the faith, strong, Lord, in Christ, twice born, born of the water, born of the Spirit. And Lord, I pray you'd give us opportunity to be a blessing to somebody in our lives. Maybe not this week, but it may, might be this week. 
maybe next week or the next. Lord, help us to be cued, to be uh, keen to what you're trying to do with us. Show us those people who are desperate, who need to hear something good in their lives. We carry the hope of Jesus. God, help us to share that hope with the lost and dying world that we're living in. And Lord, I pray you'd keep us safe. Again, show favor on these people. Bless their homes, their finances. Lord, if they need a job, give them a job, a good job. In Christ's name we pray. And Lord, keep us safe as we come and go, as we travel, Lord. Keep us safe from the the enemy. Keep us safe from temptation. And Lord, may we please you. May we bless you with all that we are and all that we have. We pray this again in Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a great week. Go out there and get somebody safe. Well, you can't, but lead them to them anyway. Have a great week.